though. I might actually just be wrong. Before we call somebody wrong, let me Google. Oh, can we just call each other wrong and then we'll apologize <laughs> later on in private and just have people be like, are they going to fight? Are they going to like not do the show anymore? I mean, <laughs> I don't think either of us are actually that dramatic. No, we're not. But I think it'd make for great content. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. It'd be like moonlighting just with music snubs. <laughs> and I'm, there's no way I'm not like 85 years old with that reference, good lord. Midnight, he said, as if it was a relevant reference that the kids would get. Exactly. I was walking with the ghost. Um, you are listening to Talking Like a Teen. I am Ashley. This dude is not Ashley. Hi. What's up, not Ashley? I'm not Ashley. <laughs> That's right, you're not. <laughs> how you doing? I'm Peachy Keen. How are you? I'm doing great. We were talking a little bit before getting started, as always, because we're never not talking before <laughs> doing this podcast. <laughs> God, because it was like, what? Three episodes, it was about six, seven, and eight. We had this wonderful idea to cover early 2000s, like, or at least, no, it was the entire decade. It was from 2000 to 2010, or in Ashley's case, 1999. <laughs> I'm a cheater. It's fine. You needed to have Nelly in there, and I'm not mad at it. I'm just pointing <laughs> it out. Because that was a very wise decision. So, kind of realize that it's, as of this recording, we're coming near the end of 2019, and we're ending another decade, which is kind of meaningless at the same time, kind of nuts at the exact same time, because it doesn't feel like 10 years have gone past. Right? I, time is a flat circle. It's stupid. (laughs) At the same time, some time has passed, some music has been made, and we thought we'd get together and talk about it. Yeah. Um, so we actually had the idea of covering from like 2011 to 2019, which we'll probably do because if we've learned anything from those other three episodes is that we tend to be a little masochistic and we enjoy the mental anchors that comes with trying to compile the best (laughs) of an entire span of decades. So we figured, you know what, screw all that. We're just going to strictly stick to 2019, which totally is in the spirit of this show's premise, which is about our past, which technically anything that happened a minute from like a minute ago is already the past. So take that. Hey, remember when we entered the show? Did we? Yeah, that was that was in our past. Exactly. (laughs) Still in the premise. Booyah. So, man, 2019 uh, for a year, that was... um, Literal garbage. A lot. There were some bangers music-wise this year. For sure. So, I thought how we could do this. Okay. We'll go through our playlists. You can talk about your first track. I'll talk about my first track. And we'll just kind of alternate. Because what I realized is that you and I, without discussing it at all, um, structured our playlists in pretty much the same way. In that... You and I both started the playlist with a song that the other person probably didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the similarities will continue, but I'll I'll point those out as we go along. So, what? 
Okay, so actually, I should probably should uh, preface by saying, for those of you who didn't listen to those episodes, um, again, we covered those years, but instead of, we picked each song for each uh, corresponding year. So, like, 2011, there was one song. So, we basically made, like, a five, six-track playlist each, and we sent it to each other, compared and contrast, shamed each other at times, um, occasionally wanted to call possibly a professional because I, I think I broke Ashley when I put hexagram from Deftones on my list uh, one of those episodes. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so we're doing it again with the best of 2019. Again, so we got five tracks, which was super difficult because I forgot how much great stuff happened this year. So like Ashley said, I didn't realize there were that many similarities either, but you know what? Let's go through it. So do you want to get started? Because I feel like you have some words about my first track. Um, Why? <laughs> all right so how do you pronounce this artist name is it torch it's torch yeah okay dope um the song is called slide and i didn't like it (laughs) (laughs) i didn't like it and let me ask you this though so why didn't you like it i'm actually really curious to figure out why and keep in mind i honestly don't care this is totally your opinion later um it's a little too heavy for me, and it took me several times listening to it to figure out what else I didn't like about it. It does that that same thing that Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles does, where it feels never-ending and just kind of droning on. And the reason that Beatles song feels that way is because they there's no, like chord progression they literally like the whole background is just like a c chord over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and i don't think this song does that but i think it's really fucking close but it's not and that's the thing it's not supposed to so something that we don't really talk about in the show and i think we kind of had the little bit of this agreement early on Mm-hmm. Or understanding that there's a lot of music that I'm into that I know for a fact you not really despise, but it's totally not your bag. Yes. So more often than not, I don't really talk about it much, but when doing these playlists, it ends up seeping in because as much as there's all these other genres, there are certain subgenres of metal that I absolutely love. Right. And one of them is between like progressive metal, stoner metal, um, sludge. Uh, Doom, I'm not super into, but definitely like a lot of like stoner and sludge. And more recently, I've really been getting into a lot of drone metal. So when you said that, you you know, basically the song drones on, that's kind of the point. And funny enough, uh, me and the, uh, the kiddo, a uh, nine-year-old, she was, I would often have to get her ready for school because uh, I only would be at school or work. Mm-hmm. So I would just basically put on music as I was, you know, making breakfast or you know putting stuff together while she was getting ready and i was trying to find music that often would be like something i could kind of put on and just sort of veg out to and a lot of times i would try to play of montreal which she loves but by the same token there's a lot of songs i can't play by them because they're inappropriate (laughs) what (laughs) no so like halfway through like because on one of our favorite songs was um gosh i can't even like think of the song title it was something off of Sunlandic, uh, Sunlandic Twins. But again, so I was like, you know what? Maybe this is a bit much. So maybe something that I can kind of just play in the background that we don't have to really focus on. So a lot of times I'd play Torch. And like both of us would really just stare and just kind of like low-key groove and sort of space out. But after three times of almost missing the bus, we realized, okay, we can't play this anymore. We'll just play <laughs> Tegan and Sarah. 
because then I realized, like, holy crap, like, my kid's totally into uh, drone metal. <laughs> and Torch, to me, I, like, I mean, there's better examples of, like, Sludge and Stoner Metal that are really, like, deep into it. But something Torch does and it's really fun is, imagine, like, a Stoner, you know, drone metal band that had, like, pop sensibility, where there's a lot more melody in there. And some albums have actually been kind of played up to that. Like, they actually mm-hmm. had an, uh, an EP called Songs for Singles. <laughs> which is like, hey, we're going to play songs that have melody and like chord progression. Okay. So maybe I would hate that shit less. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, because it still leans in on that, but there's still a lot of that stuff that you just described, so I don't know if you would be into it. <laughs> you probably would hate it, but I don't know what it is. I just love it dearly, and they hadn't come out with the new album for a handful of years, so once this came up, and this was like the first... Not like the single, but the first track that they released, and I just fell in love with it. And it encapsulates everything I love about Torch. And yes, it does drone on, but there is a weird melody that goes into it. And it's just fun to space out to, and it's great to write to. It's definitely great to write to. I can see that. And I'm sorry that you hated it, but I I had to, because this this song and this album is so good. I should have went with Baroness. I was going to put Baroness, because at least there's vocals there, but God, I love my drum metal so much. It's... You are allowed to like stuff. I just like I am allowed to not like stuff. Uh, it was it just made me laugh because when I put this when I put my playlist together and I put my first track on there, I'm like, I think he's gonna hate this, but I don't care because I love this song. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I said, and this is how we know we've been hanging out way too long. Right. <laughs> but I do want to talk about yours. Yeah. So speaking of not being able to pronounce a band's name, so is it Mika or Micah? I think it's Micah. I've always said Mika though, because it's it's a nickname that he got as a child and his name is Michael, so I'm assuming it's it's Micah. But I don't it doesn't have a good mouthfeel, so I'm gonna call him Mika. And if it's wrong, I don't know, fucking drag me on the internet. <laughs> At Instagram, <laughs> TLAT Podcast. <laughs> or on Twitter at TLAT Podcast as well. Yeah, go to go to Twitter and yell at Adrian who doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, god. So um I don't know, like ooh girl. And I have like electric feel stuck in my head. You said mouthfeel, and I don't know why it made me think of <laughs> electric feel? Yeah. Um, mouthfeel is one of those things that like immediately brings me back to working at Starbucks and having to deal with pretentious coffee speak. I'm sorry. No one should have to, and I know it's a term when using for like taste testing and things like that, or even just yeah. food, but I'm sorry. The term mouthfeel in relation to coffee, it's like, I no longer want to drink coffee <laughs> because I'm never concerned about how mouthfeel it's like, okay, is it too hot? Is it too cold? <laughs> Is the flavor bland? Like I don't like I don't think about mouthfeel. I'm like, no, this just feels sludgy. I don't know. Mouthfeel. Is this cool enough that I can still feel my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> like in Fallout 76 and you go to the Nuka Cola taste testing uh facility and on one of the notes it's like, should are my teeth supposed to itch? <laughs> my teeth itch. Um Oh man! Oh yeah, Micah or Mika. <laughs> um, well, this the song is from an album called "My Name Is Michael 
Halbrook. It's Micah. <laughs> the name of the album is My Name is Michael Halbrook. So, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was an artist that I became aware of when his debut album came out in like 2007. If you are not familiar with him, um, he is, I think he was born in England. His parents are Lebanese. So he's, um, he's, it's like if Freddie Mercury was reincarnated into this little British Lebanese dude. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. Um, all of his stuff is just like very poppy. His vocal range is incredible. The dude's got a killer voice. And he likes things that are very, all this stuff is very like lushly produced. And it's just, it's a lot. Um, So where your first song, like just kind of droned on and kind of felt like nothing. This was like the antithesis of that. Right. And it played to our strengths because this song <laughs> It's very theatrical. And funny enough, you know what it reminded me of? And I know we haven't talked about the album because I've been strangely avoiding it. Uh-huh. Um, it reminded me of uh, Silverchair. Yes. Young Modern. Yes. Because I've noticed about you in, because Ashley, low-key theater brat, because this is so like, this is a musical production. I love it so much. Because I know, crap, what was the song on one of your other playlists that had like a similar vibe to it? Like... They're not flat out show tunes, which, oh, we're definitely doing an episode about show tunes at some point. Um, Hell yes. But it definitely has that vibe to it. Like, this is basically what theater kids will listen to. Like, now versus when I grew up with theater kids, where it was mainly Dresden Dolls, which, yikes. Yeah. So, as as a former Dresden Dolls fan, um, I have sadness. Um, <laughs> I have ennui. <laughs> so much. Um but hey, I get to cancel a lady in my life, so I feel like it's fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this song is called "Tiny Love," and what I like about it, aside from the fact that like I enjoy this dude's music in general, is that the song is about the teeny tiny moments in a relationship that just kind of make it. But in trying to describe the teeny tiny moments in a relationship, he went like the fucking balls to the wall, like, you know, 15 out of 10 levels of production and just like lush orchestras and like all this crazy shit. And the song is wild, but it's very fun. And he sings the crap out of it. He really does. And I didn't actually hate it. It was a very sweet song and there's nothing wrong with sweet. Yeah, and at first I was just kind of like, you know what it is? Because when you don't hear a, when you're hearing a song for the first time, and this is any genre, there's mm-hmm. always this thing of you hear the or even before you hear anything, you just look at the artist name and the title, and we all do this. Well, I shouldn't generalize, but like I do this a lot, and maybe I shouldn't, but it just is one of those things where I start already forming not really an opinion, but an idea of what it could possibly sound like. Mm-hmm. Now knowing the type of music that you're into. You know, it kind of like narrowed it a little bit, but if I had no idea, I kn- I wouldn't know what I was was getting into. So when this started, it was like, okay, this is odd. But then he just, I don't really dig any song or vocalist, even if I'm not super into the song itself. And I did like it, but he sings with such like passion and it's so just energetic. 
And even though it's like you said, it's tiny, it's called Tiny Love, but it, it feels almost ironic because like, this song is anything but tiny. It's huge. It's bombastic. It's that thing of, oh, yeah, I'm kind of in love. But you're like, holy shit, I'm in love. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of sympathize with that. So this was actually really fun. And as always, you put me on to something I would have known of before. But I also will admit that this is something that I would have to be in a mood for because of the songs in your playlist. I played this one at least. That's fair. But it is growing on me. Check out the rest of his album. Um, and I'll build you a playlist. Excellent. Anyway. <laughs> so, in continuing on with the parallels of our playlists, um, you and I have <laughs> the, literally the exact same song as the second track on our playlist. And we're going to do something we don't do a lot on this podcast, which is talk about Tegan and Sarah on our Tegan and Sarah podcast. <laughs> see i've started i as in trying to describe the show i've been more uh i've been using the phrase informed by tegan and sarah more often than not yeah because <laughs> they really are the inspiration for this show just in a very indirect way and i think it makes for just more entertainment because you almost have to figure out how it's informed yeah and that only means you just have to listen to it more to figure it out um, so you and I both put I'll be back someday, because which was it fucking rules. Yeah. Um, uh, it was the single from their new album, which was released this year. And God, I love this fucking song. It's so good. It, it's just a perfect pop song, but it's also sad as hell. It is sad as hell. And there's, there's just a few little tricks in it that seem like they should be easy, but they let you know, like, these women know what the fuck they're doing, mm-hmm. and they're talented. And now of this fucking song. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was thinking about the fact that this album comes off of um, Love You to Death and before that, uh, Heartthrob, mm-hmm. which were the two poppiest uh, releases that they've done. And in a weird way... Not even, like, I really do feel that they didn't do that thing that I was hoping they wouldn't do, which is kind of like the, oh, now that we got that out of our system, let's do our, like, back to our roots album that some bands tend to try to pull, where they almost, it almost feels like they're maybe not little, not apologetic, but, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, we experimented, but we're going to walk it back a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. Where this feels like, if you listen to those two albums, there's still enough in there for you to sort of go forward. But if you're someone who was, you know, listening since like under feet like ours, there's still something to enjoy. And I think if I were to put on a playlist or even a song to introduce someone who was unfamiliar with Tegan and Sarah, I would choose the song first. Interesting. Because I think it does enough of their styles, like mm-hmm. whether it be like in the acoustic days or the pop days or even some of the sense stuff like on um, So Jealous. I think it sort of the reason why this song's so much fun is i think it pulls in all the influences of their previous music but also kind of pushes it a little bit forward as well and i I think it's a really nice sort of encapsulation of what they're about i never thought of this song that way Uh oh sorry (laughs) (laughs) no i i think you have something here i yeah no oh shit sorry (laughs) (laughs) um 
don't worry, I'm going to spend the next three days uh, rolling that around in my head. <laughs> um, RIP my productivity at work. <laughs> um, yeah, it's good. They're good. <laughs> We're going to get around to talking about that album. I promise. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, it's so tough to talk about this song because, again, like, I think when we, when it first came out, you and I both were like those kids who were like, oh, like turning on the radio and jumping up and down and screaming and like trying yes. to sing along, even though we just, <laughs> we just heard it for the first time. It was really that thing you do. Yeah. Like that scene when like they first hear the song on the radio. Yes. Um, I need to, to purchase that movie and watch it again. I don't think I have it on DVD. I need it. But yeah, this one hit a little too close to home. Uh, I, for some odd reason, not it, it makes sense. It's this is definitely a song for me that like it's fucking Friday at five o'clock and I go out to my car and I put this on, I roll my windows down and I turn this shit fucking up and I roll out in my office parking lot and I tell them to go fuck themselves because it's the weekend. <laughs> That's awesome. You and I really had different interpretations of the song and I really appreciate that. I also understand English, therefore I know like the lyrics are sad, but there's just something about the chorus of the song that, I don't know, it just, it just makes my soul smile, which is schmaltzy, but I just really like it. It's, it's very good. It really is. And the fact that, again, you and I picked the same song in the same section of our playlist and walked away with two completely different experiences out, like from it. Yeah. That's freaking remarkable. I think that really speaks to just how good the song is that. Two or more people can listen to the same thing and come up with something completely different. Because whereas you, you're very much like this, you know, it's Friday, get the hell out of my way. I'm literally going to do the highest one on my boss because they're trying to get me to stay over the weekend. I'll be back someday, i.e. Monday. Eat a dick until then. See, meanwhile, I'm just thinking about, like, my two close friends who, like, moved and the fact that we really don't talk a whole lot because, I mean, our lives are busy and it's, like, super awkward. And got really emotional listening to this and it's kind of like that thing of like i want to dance but like while i'm basically doing like the running man like my tears are like soaking my shirt i'm just sweating leave me alone i mean i'm doing that as well but i'm sweating for my eyes i mean <laughs> Oh, but yeah, we could probably, we really do have to sit down and talk about that album at some point because that might be like a multiple part episode because there's so much to glean from it. Yeah. So we'll keep our conversation brief on that song. The next parallel to our playlist is that we (laughs) both. (laughs) I can't believe we did this. I can't believe we did this. Followed up the same Tegan and Sarah song with two different songs from the same album. Uh, Blink-182 is nine. Since you're a sad sack, tell us about your sad, sad song that you chose. Okay, so. <laughs> wow, yeah. See, I feel freaking, I feel seen. Like, and I don't, appreciate, I don't appreciate you calling me out like that. Like, this is being recorded, and this is being put out into the world, and I know we're friends, but sometimes it's not necessary, Ashley. Sometimes it's okay to just be like, <laughs> I didn't just pick, like, the saddest song of this album. I call you out because I care, and because I love you. Hey, I also didn't... Well, I first off, I had picked... Oh, gosh. I gotta go back to my other list now. I had picked Black Rain, which I'm just gonna say, at least I didn't pick No Heart to Speak of. So I kind of kicked it up at least one notch. Yeah, I suppose. So it's hard to talk about this song without talking about the entire album. 
Because real quick, though, I think what makes Nine so much fun, just to kind of put a little quick overview of it, is that Blink-182 stopped giving a shit about what we think as mm-hmm. fans. And I'm so proud of them for that. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this very briefly in other episodes about uh, Mark Hoppus and sort of coming to this place in his life where after coming off of like touring for California and all these other events, you know, not really sure what to do with himself and had started uh, Simple Creatures. And I think doing that side project allowed him to just live in the moment. And I think a lot of what Blink-182 does now is because everybody involved is older than they were. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you got Travis and, you know, Matt Skiba from, you know, famously of Alkaline Trio. They've all in their own rights basically lived this pop punk life and just as musicians and artists. And I feel like once they got to a certain age where it's like, look, we're just here. We're very fortunate that we are still here. So let's just have fun with this. And they've just been like collaborating with like Steve Aoki, Lil Wayne, Goody Grace. People you're like, really Blink 182? But hey. So they're just having fun. But with that, though, this song is depressing as hell, but it rips. Yes. It rips. Both of those things, accurate. (laughs) Because much like with I'll Be Back Someday, where I was dancing and crying, this one, it's like, damn, it's like floor punches, but my fists are (laughs) soaked with tears. (laughs) And Matt Skiba, like, California was a decent album, but I felt like they were still kind of holding on to, like, the old school Blink-182 days. Mm-hmm. This one just leans into what he's so good at, which is just singing his ass off. Yes. And dude, like, and everybody's all like, oh, this sounds like an Alkaline Trio song. It's like, yes, exactly. And that's why it's great. God, his guitar playing, and he's just like, I could just feel like the veins in my neck protruding, and I'm not even the one singing. It's just so good. And Travis is just. Travis fucking goes on this song. He goes on this album. My dude is snapping. Like, he's going off as if, if I drum any slower and less intense, they will kill me. <laughs> this bus will explode. We go under 55. Let's go. From the minute this album starts, that drum kit's already destroyed. Yes. But this song is just so good. It's so depressing. And it's like, the melody is kind of up, but it's dark. It's just kind of like this that thing of, I just love this. I love that style of music. And... Again, as a sad sack, this is this is my wheelhouse. <laughs> and then you had the really, but your song is also really cool. But it's again the antithesis of what I've chose. <laughs> so you are one of the top five people that I enjoy the most on this planet. I oh? love you dearly. Um, there is only one moment in our friendship in which I was like, I don't know, maybe I should trash this dude. And it was when you told me that you didn't like Blame It On My Youth. (laughs) (laughs) This was it? Like, this was it? This was it. I was... I'm I'm pretty sure that I was respectful to you, but I was very upset on the inside. (laughs) Oh, no. But yet, this is very on brand for us. I feel like if there were anything that would get us to either have like a really bad fallout, it would be song placement. And I can't believe I can't the disrespect. It's not disrespect. <laughs> Look, okay, hold on. I already spoke. Let me let you speak. I'm disrespect. sorry because 
It's not disrespect, but okay, I'm gonna let you have your moment because you're—I—you uh, you should see my head right now. You're on a swivel because you're so wrong, and I'm about to clap back. Just, but go ahead. Um, this is the best song on that fucking album. No, <laughs> I respectfully disagree, but continue. <laughs> it's fine. You—you uh, you had said to me that you thought that this song felt the most phoned into you and that bums me out <laughs> now no i should like it, it felt phoned in as much of i felt like this is one of the songs where the label was kind of like you guys need a single to lead this off on you can't lead with like black rain or dark side but this wasn't even the single wasn't it one of the singles i don't remember I, this wasn't the first single from this album well, okay, maybe you're right, because I always assumed because it was one of the first songs that they released, like, on YouTube, that this was technically a single, so I might actually just be wrong. Before we call somebody wrong, let me Google. Oh, can we just call each other wrong, and then we'll <laughs> apologize later on in private, and just have people be like, are they gonna fight, are they gonna, like, not do the show anymore? I mean, <laughs> I don't think either of us are actually that dramatic. No, we're not, but I think it'd make for great content. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. It'd be like moonlighting just with music snubs. <laughs> and I'm, there's no way I'm not like 85 years old with that reference. Good Lord. Moonlighting, he said. Wow. Moonlighting, he said, as if it was a relevant reference that the kids would get. Exactly. All right. Well, Ghostbusters is clearly the most important movie, actually. Oh, I hate it. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. So technically, I am less right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> You're also bold, stubborn as hell. Yes, accurate. Um, according to Wikipedia, a website of which I go to for all things, because it is always correct and never wrong. Shout uh, out to Jimmy Wales. <laughs> uh, the band released a 2019 headlining tour with rapper Lil Wayne on May 6, 2019, in support of the forthcoming album. Two days later, the trio released the lead single, Blame It On My Youth, with a lyric video online featuring Risk spray-painting the song's lyrics on a wall in a time-lapse. I remember that video. I remember you sending me that video. Mm-hmm. Um, ba The trio previewed an additional three songs, uh, Generational Divide, Happy Days, and Dark Side. Um, they also released I Really Wish I Hated You. As the final thing before they release the whole album. Ta-da. <laughs> anyway. Um, whatever. The song fucking rules. And going back to what you were just talking about a little bit ago. With this album finally becoming where it's, you know, it's not Mark, Tom, and Travis featuring Matt Skiba. And it's not Matt Skiba trying to be Tom anymore. This is a mm-hmm. new, it's a new band under the same banner. They finally figured out what what their specific sound is. And I think this song sort of encapsulates that. And it encapsulates their journey to get there. And I just think it's really fucking good. <laughs> and I think that's maybe where I should take it from is lyrically, it's a great song. I would definitely give it that. Yes. But it's also catchy as hell. This ended up Spotify released the, the end of the year stats a couple of days ago. This song was this, the third most played for me this year. Um, nice. Behind I'll Be Back Someday and then another song that's old that I listen to a lot when I'm fucking sad. 
<laughs> I think pretty much since this song came out, I don't think a week has gone by that it hasn't been stuck in my head at least like one day out of a week. Like I spend, you know, every Wednesday or whatever singing it. It's no, like, yeah, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, I made you feel bad. <laughs> no, I don't feel bad at all. I, I still stick by what I said, but I do think that that's a. I never really thought that, and maybe that's uh-huh. unfair of me, you know. But I didn't realize that that song really hit you that hard. I mean, I knew you played it a lot. Yeah, like, I saw your list, or at least you mentioned it. But it's a song that to me is very earnest and sort of celebratory about the journey that these three dudes have gone on to sort of get to this point in which, yes, they may be inherently sad people like Mark has said, but like they're, they're happy and they're comfortable with where they are now. And I don't know. I just, it it makes me happy. And I can't be mad about that. And if this is like the weakest song in an album, then that's still a really good place to be because it's, it is, it's my least favorite, but again, they, considering some of the lows that we've gone through, uh, especially with like, let's say neighborhoods, this still is as celebratory as it possibly can be. But you know me, it's like, I, I can't be I happy know. in my music. And that, that's, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know I'm being indicted? Sorry, I'm referencing something that like three uh, people have seen. I did some vocal training. I've done choirs, like pretty much all my fucking life so like that's the thing that i noticed there's some really interesting like vocal stuff in this song again kind of like the tegan and sarah song where like it may not sound that complicated but it's just a couple little tricks that i'm like no that's dope (laughs) that shit's fucking cool (laughs) uh and matt skiba's voice man dude can fucking sing god I cannot wait to talk about this whole album because I'm going to go off about Matt Skiba because, I mean, dude was already great in Alkaline Trio, but taking that intensity, bring it to Blink, at first it was like, I was already excited because yeah. I just am a huge fan. But California, like I said, it wasn't a great first outing, and I think it put yeah. a lot of people off. And I don't think that's inherently his fault. You know, like they're still trying to figure out how to make this new dynamic work. Yeah, especially after dealing with the old dynamic for as long as they did and coming off of a recording process for neighborhoods that quite frankly was very difficult. Absolutely. And we will get into that in a later episode. For sure. So to parallel the rest of of your playlist and my playlist, um, both of us took the last two songs to be as fucking on brand as possible. (laughs) (laughs) This song that you brought to my life like a ray of sunshine has one of the best fucking lyrics I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hella big and I'm about to punch a helicopter. Which, I don't know if you noticed, I had put that on my Twitter bio because it's wonderful. This song is so funny. (laughs) It's great. Oh my god. So I'm going to try not to gush too much, but I'm going to let you go on because I really want to know what you think about this song. Okay, so the song is called Beat Down City. Um, it's by Open Mike Eagle. So I, I'm i assuming it's all sort of, is it video game centric? Like all of it? Or just 
kind of this song-ish? Well, this song is actually a theme song for a game called uh, Welcome to Beat Down the City. Okay. It's available for Nintendo Switch and PC. It kind of takes from Bad Dudes, which is actually referenced in like the, the first uh, line of the song, which I want to get into in a minute, but basically it's like a it's an indie game where you're essentially like it kind of takes from like bad dudes crashing the boys like river city ransom like these old school like nes era mm-hmm. beat em ups with some more like adventure and rpg parts to it and i think it was actually atlas that hit me to the game first or at least had mentioned it but open mic eagle is becoming one of my favorite rappers i kind of became aware of him through um Samus. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a tour with Open Mike Eagle a lot. And then Open Mike Eagle's also uh, very tight with Hannibal Burris. I know he's been on a Handsome Rambler podcast a few times, and he's absolutely great on that. And then I started listening to his music, and he's got this way of words. And I know he tends to think of himself more as like art rap, I guess, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, where it's. It can be irreverent, it can be socially conscious, but yet, all the while, he has just this great way with words. And, like, I just love, like, that line where it's just kind of like, because in the, the game, because, and you ever heard of Bad Dudes? Yeah, what, like, that one quote always ended up becoming a meme where it's like, oh, the ninjas had kidnapped the president. Are you a bad enough dude to rescue the president? Yes. So, because <laughs> I think in the game, like, I think Obama's kidnapped. <laughs> But being 2019 in the line, my president's black and y'all going to give him back to me. Like, uh-huh. I felt that shit in my soul where I was like, I forgot this was based on a video game because I thought he was just referring to like, you that's know, like, my, that, like, that's my fucking president. I want him back. Yeah. And this song, even though it's for a video game. And again, some of the lyrics are absurd. Like I said, I'm hella big and I'm about to punch a helicopter. But then <laughs> there's just kind of like, it's half homage to like games and hip hop. But it also, I think in the way it kind of like pokes holes at it you know it's like oh fight for you know any reason like <laughs> you know it's like he's just kind of like i'll just fight for stupid reasons like there's just there's just so much going on in this song and it's just catchy it's fun it's got a great chorus and <laughs> you have no idea how many times <laughs> i if you were listening to tegan and sarah on the way out of work i was listening to this on the way to work that's adorable <laughs> I want to, like, I want to scream this chorus while driving down Grove Street in Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) This might actually be, like, the crew theme song. (laughs) Oh, man. It's so much fun, because it's, like, on one end, it's just, it's aggressive, it's funny, it's just, and, you know, me and anything 8-bit and chiptune related. Yes. And open mic's just great. It just, it really, wow, this song really is so on brand. Uh-huh. I and love I it. love it and I hate it. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Oh, um, meanwhile. Uh, meanwhile, I chose a fucking, like, mellow-ass Beck No, but song. I love this shit. I love, like, it's Beck. Like, how can you not like Beck? My dude. So, uh, Beck is one of those guys that, like, I sit there and I'm like, I don't really consider myself a huge fan of Beck. Like, but yet, every album comes out, and I'm like, yo, this shit rules. <laughs> <laughs> and I spend, like, a month listening to nothing but that album. And, I don't know, Hyperspace is, is very good. And it is that specific, like, subgenre of, like, 80s electronica indie mm-hmm. pop shit that is just me. <laughs> and he excels at it so well. I love uh-huh. when he goes pop. 
uh, uneventful days is it's so fun. It's so fun. I just like it's a perfect like cruising song. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna go drive with no destination in mind and just like listen to this and like roll the windows down and like vibe vibe out. <laughs> People have really it. been sleeping on Beck like in the last and talking about. We were, before the show started, joking about Ghostbusters and how, like, people are now trying to, like, tell kids about how important this was and them kind of not really caring as much, I should say. But I feel like there's an entire generation that missed out on just how big Beck was to the music world. Because here's a dude that can either do, like, acoustic folk, dream pop, glitch soul hip-hop and he just does it almost effortlessly where he's not necessarily trying to be a jack of all trades like he just has this great appreciation for all these genres and and especially the people who make it Mm because that's something i feel like not every artist does where like i'm into this thing but i don't know like they have an appreciation and love for it but not always the people who are actually involved in those scenes so he really does his best to make sure that he's not coming off as insulting. And just like he he makes albums because he can and because he wants to. Like he yes. made colors. He made colors, which came out in like twenty seventeen and basically was like, I made this indie dance album because that shit is fun to me and I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So here it is. And it fucking ruled. That album was so good. And I think hyperspace kind of continues on where colors left like leaves off yeah but that is really cool but in a more like mellow way right as if like if colors was like the beginning it's almost kind of like the how do i don't know it's kind of like the second i don't want to say second part to it but it does feel like a natural continuation of that same sort of style it's like if if colors was your party like hyperspace is kind of like the morning after your party where you're still kind of exactly you've got the party vibes a little bit but like chiller <laughs> no i think that's a perfect explanation i think that's that hits the nail on the head because that's exactly what it feels like and it was like not like a party like you know like hangover party but you know it's like look this was a fun time and we're just gonna sit around maybe play some video games or you know <laughs> maybe go outside. Right. like it's it's such a really cool chill but man i almost forgot how much i love beck Beck, for the longest time, was one of my favorite artists, and I'm so glad you put this on this list because I personally feel like I kind of fell off, so it was nice kind of coming back and being like, this man has not lost a step. No, not at all. And he still looks looks like he's about 20 years old. I have no idea how old he is. I think he stopped aging. Because, um, like, he's cooler than I'll ever be, and that's not fair. <laughs> eh, you're pretty awesome, though. <laughs> so, the last song on your playlist... What was the last song on my playlist? I was- <laughs> 2019 has felt so long that I forgot that this song came out in 2019. I never forgot. This song felt like it came out four years ago. Nope, it felt like it came out yesterday because it still pops. And we're going to be playing it in 2020 and 2021, 22, 23. We're gonna- <laughs> I'm going to go out playing the song. So after this, we're going to talk about our honorable mentions. And I'm going to tell you that I almost put Panini on my list. I almost did too. Shut up. I almost (laughs) did too because, okay, I'll say this. I wanted to put Panini because between the two songs, I actually like Panini more. Yes. But I put Old Town Road on here for what it represents. 
you cannot deny the impact that Old Town Road had. And, man. It wasn't even a song. It was a statement. No. It's just... I don't know. Like, I just... I keep thinking about... He, there was this video that was going around YouTube. He... I don't even think he was there. They just played the song at, like, a an elementary school, like, assembly. And he's Yeah, fucking, he was there. He was doing an oh. appearance at the school. And the kids just, like, popped off. Like, it was just, like, pure, undulterated joy for mm-hmm. these little kids. Every time I hear this song, I think of those little kids. Exactly. That's It's just so fucking cool. And, like, it couldn't have happened to a, a kid who seems like he is just so kind and down to earth. And also fucking hilarious. If you're not following him on Twitter, please do so immediately. Oh, he's amazing. Like, <laughs> I, I still never forget him calling out the yodeling kid for, like, and threatening him to, like, call his grandmother because he's throwing the gang signs in the studio with him and Young Club. <laughs> like, the kid tweeted out slat. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Wow. But like, it's, and I, I really want, you know, sometimes you almost wonder, like, is it really so simple? And cause you think about like the story, cause I think it's from what I understand, like he was like living with his sister and he was basically like two steps from getting like thrown out. Mm-hmm. And he was essentially like trying to make this music thing happen. And this song just, you know, it went and it just took off. And I just, you know, I was thinking about when I said, like, what it represented, because when this song came out, you know, of course, they were vying for, like, the country charts. And the country music, not even just seeing the industry, the fans, essentially just shook their heads and said, no, we don't want this. And they basically took it off for, like, country music con- um, convention because it didn't, what was the, the phrase in these? It didn't sit with, like, the values of country, mm-hmm. which is super coded phrasing. Yes. And they just essentially like, we don't want this kid. We don't want all this hip hop. We don't want all this this beat. And you can argue as a country music, is it not? That's entirely up to you. But this is something I think that like people don't realize when it comes to a lot of creators, especially like black creators, where a lot of times you're saying to yourself, well, how come we don't see them more in these particular spaces? Because a lot of times we're just told that we don't belong. So here's this kid essentially is like, all right, cool. We, you know, I tried to make this thing. They didn't want it. And then to have like country music artists, I think it was, um, was it Keith Urban that had done like some acoustic cover on YouTube and a few others I know kind of like showed their support. And then like, long story short, he and Billy Ray Cyrus did a remix of the song and it just blew up. Well, and the idea of, of doing a remix with Billy Ray Cyrus is so fucking punk rock where he's like, okay. I don't fit in. Well, let me get one of these dudes that was in your fucking seat Mm -hmm. to be on this track. And killed it. Billy Ray, honestly, that verse is just, it still goes so hard. Like, it's unnecessary. Like, is this (laughs) achy, breaky heart guy? Like, where's the mullet? Like, Uh, so good. And and they still didn't fucking want that shit after that. But at that point, it didn't matter because it had taken over everything. 17 weeks. It's it, 17 weeks. It hit her, it surpassed Mariah Carey, right? As like the mm-hmm. longest number one. I don't remember the exact record. Because I think it's like the number one. Was it the Billboard Hot 100? I think so. I could look it up. Let me Google. And what was so wild about the song was, like you said, the, like once kids. And it's funny. People kind of use that story to sort of like denigrate them, which I thought was the bigger strength because kids know what they like. Kids aren't necessarily overburdened with all the 
the bullshit that we tend to when it comes to just justifying the things we like. Mm -hmm. They just like what they like and they don't what they don't. So to have that many kids, because those are the ones that are going to be buying your shit anyway, just like I said, losing their minds. Because I know when the first few times I heard it, it was like, all right, this is cute. But then every time I heard it, I just found more and more in love with it. And then the backstory. So then like every time it was on, like, you know, my kid would run to me, Old Town Road's on, we would blast it. And just for like whatever, like two minutes and 30 seconds, just vibing out and then just being like, all right, that was fun. And God, like it's... And then to have the EP come out and then to have him come out, which is even more nuts because now you have this kid who was told, you know, country music didn't want to blows up on the charts and then to kind of come out on like, you know, around a time when the EP, which is also very good. And to have like basically this, you know, square black kid just dominating the charts with this song that nobody wanted, but everybody knows. And I almost would like get upset when people would crap on a song because it just felt more of like when I actually had to explain to a friend like his actual backstory, suddenly mm-hmm. the joke stopped, you know, because it's like, hey, not for nothing. Even if you don't like the song, you got to respect the hustle. And it's like, I get it. I get that it's kind of silly, but it's very fun. And it's it's kind of meant to be silly. It's a little tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. And it was I think it came at the perfect time because, you know, like. 2019, like I said, has not been fun, but to have like this really just short song, just something that's not like it's innocuous. It's just something fun. Which speaking of fun, your last song. (laughs) I love. Holy crap. I, you had told me to listen to them before and I was going to get around to it, but I feel like you've just been secretly just being like, you need to listen to them because this is your thing. I loop this. I hope this comes through in the next Spotify rap because, Uh oh my God. Um. It's so. so good. It's so catchy. I need this <laughs> in my eyes and ears. Like, is there a music video for this? I need a video. I need I need this band. I need to be at their shows. What is happening? How do you know about this and not me? What are your secrets? <laughs> Teach me. Um, so the last song on my playlist um was When the Fires Come by Carol Carol Bonito, um, who is a British band. Um, I think their lead singer is originally from Japan. So a lot of their songs are in Japanese, but they they do have some songs in English. They put out an album last year, um, which is fucking dope. Listen to it immediately. But then they released this single. I think it came out in like October or November. It hasn't been out very long, but I groove on it hard. Of course, um, they're on polyvinyl because polyvinyl is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they've been... I think the first album came out in 2014 and I'm pretty sure this was one of those bands that Spotify was just kind of like, yo, a hipster, you're a hipster and a weave. The shit's in Japanese. Get it. (laughs) Which is funny because again, that's kind of my thing, but I, thanks to the Fast and Furious, I don't get these cool recommendations anymore. (laughs) God, this is talking about the unbottled joy that Old Town Road gave these kids hearing this song. And I really do feel like our playlists were almost battling because it's like, oh, you got all this tattoo, cool. I'm going to counter with fun. <laughs> I'm going to counter with grooves and vibes and you're going to enjoy yourself. And I'm like, no, I want to be sad. It's like, no, dance to this. I'm like, I can't help it. I'm succumbing to. <laughs> it taps into all this stuff that I love that I always try to dial down. But my God, this song is just so pleasant. And what I kind of realized in putting together this playlist is I think for the first time, I really felt like this year, more than, than years past, like music was a joyful escape instead of like 
doing the sad sack thing that I've done in years past. Um, because, you know, gestures to political climate, the whole world at large. I just needed something, something to make me happy and something that was sort of fun and pleasant to sort of balance out everything. <laughs> right. And it's, and it's not like it's fun for the sake of just being like mindless and innocuous. Like it's, there's, like they're they can play their asses off and it's there's a lot of really good musicality to this yeah it's got fucking pan flutes in it pan flutes are great (laughs) um they just continue to do indie pop dancey stuff but there's just usually like one or two things in every song that make it unique and make it distinctly them and i enjoy them immensely and i hope more people um check them out i know for the uh the tuesday tunes playlist that i, put I was together, about to say um i know i put a song from their 2018 album on that yeah it was a time today yeah i will probably put great. more of their shit on that playlist to be honest because i do groove to them a lot Actually, this is a good point um, to point out that you guys should definitely be following Ashley on the Instagram TLAT podcast because every Tuesday she posts Tuesday tunes, which are all the cool shit that Ashley listens to on Tuesday. And my God, like if no one else enjoys it, I certainly do. Like it's an event for me because it's like Tuesday. Ashley's going to be serving up something awesome that I didn't know I needed or even if it's something I did know of. And I was like, well, you can listen to it again because it's amazing. Right. And I'm not sitting here saying, like, I know all of the coolest, tippest, newest music. A lot of shit's old as fuck. It's just shit that I grew on. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully you like it. Hopefully you check it out. And let me know what you think. But I know you and I both struggled to pair this playlist down to five songs. So what were a couple of songs that you unfortunately cut? Okay, one of them was going to be Generational Divide by Blink-182. That was going to be in replace of uh, Black Rain. Okay. Because we were talking a little bit about Blink-182 not giving a shit about what, like, some of their fans and even critics think. It was Blink-182 finally did that thing that I felt they should have done years ago, was actually make a song calling them out. I do like that song a lot. And I also just wish that Blink would do, like, more heavier punk, because I feel like with Skiba, they would nail that even harder, because... It's pop punk. Every so often you got to throw out a short, fast, and loud track, and it just rips. And again, Travis, like, how is he that good on fills at that same speed? It's just, it's unne- it's uncanny, it's unnecessary, and I almost hate it, because I'll never be that talented. <laughs> no, well, I'm like, my brain can't even, like, process shit that quickly, let alone, like, brain to limbs to do things that quickly. So, like, I don't know. He's like a wild animal on the drums. It's, it's nuts to me. It's like, my brain can't even Travis. Yeah. that's gonna end up being my new phrase um one of them i don't know would ever make any sense only because the episode hasn't come out yet Uh but one of my tracks which almost got replaced um that almost replaced beat down city was from another game called uh, card of darkness which is a apple game for Mm -hmm. iphone and like os x or whatever os is currently running i don't know anymore because i'm old (laughs) um it's brave wave productions that's it the musician grant henry or stem itch who is one of the guitarists on steven universe 
uh, the cartoon and as well as the movie. Um, he produced a soundtrack for a game called Card of Darkness, which is a card-based adventure RPG loosely based on Heart of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And the game is like designed by Pendleton Ward from Adventure Time. But it's like a very like visually, it looks very much like an Adventure Time game, but it's really intense and super difficult. But one of the overworld songs is uh, Glenhorn Forest. And that one I may actually just throw on my playlist uh, as my number six because I don't know why it's addictive. It's just this great bop, the drums, because it's not quite like super upbeat. It's very hard to explain, but it is an instrumental, so it's not like there's any lyrics to it. But it's I looped it too many times and I didn't do it on Spotify. Otherwise, it would have ended up on my wrapped. So what are some of yours? I left this one off. Because I thought that you would you would put it on there. DHL. My dude. I forgot about Frank Ocean. <laughs> Frank Ocean. Oh, man. I had that one on there. And that song stayed on there until like the very last minute. In which I basically was like, I had that like Regina George montage moment where it's like, Frank Ocean. How do I begin to talk about Frank Ocean? I don't even <laughs> fucking know. <laughs> uh, DHL is one of the weirdest songs I think I've ever heard. But it rules. I just, I really like it. I like Frank Ocean anyway. Um, it's good. You've probably heard it because it's Frank Ocean. But like, DHM, check it out if you have I almost feel like it didn't, maybe I was in, not really in the right channels, but I felt like that should have been a bigger deal. Because if Frank Ocean is releasing music, he doesn't do it often. And when he does, it's usually a big deal. So I almost wonder if people were waiting until the full length comes out. But you're right. That song is just, it's so odd. But man, was that a bop. And I actually thought about putting it on there. But I didn't listen to it enough to justify when it had some other options. Which I'm pretty sure you're like, you could have put that under instead of Torch. <laughs> Please. Um, <laughs> jerk. <laughs> um, I had a Panini by Lil Nas X. Um, there's something about the music from that song that makes me think of mass effect like the the soundtrack from the first mass effect game and i think that's part of the reason why i like that song so much i could see them blasting that in one of the citadel clubs and then the other song i had on there for a really long time and then took it off was reach out by slater kenny I really, 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 really fought hard to keep them on that list because that album is an absolute banger. It is. And I know there's a lot of Slater Kennedy like purists who did not like it. And yes. some of them even have all but in so many words insinuated that St. Vincent was like their Yoko. But I mean, that's um, aggressive. <laughs> It was there was a lot of hate thrown at her about that album and it's supposed, you know, breaking up the original lineup. But I don't know what happened with that. That's not really what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Slater Kenny and St. Vincent, like, come on. You cannot ask for a better pairing than that. That one picture on Instagram where they're in the studio, I just dropped my phone and screamed. Oh. Because <laughs> Annie Clark's, like, she's producing, and I really hope she produces more because I've always loved their sound, but she just kind of took them to this this next step that I felt like they could have even done years ago, but it's so good. So damn good. And... Slater Kinney has been a band that I've always enjoyed, but mm-hmm. this album probably due in large part to St. Vincent and St. Vincent's sort of deft hand in, in sort of scooting it a little bit more towards that like indie pop shit that I like. Like I just, man, I grooved hard at this album and I was actually really surprised that it didn't end up on any of my end of year shit 
as far as Spotify was concerned. I was too, but granted, I, for whatever reason, I guess only because my phone tends to not play well with Spotify, which is why I end up using the desktop version more, like in between editing podcasts. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of stuff I would have been more surprised would have ended up on my playlist than it did. And I think the reason why a lot of my stuff, a lot of the stuff that did end up on there is because it would be stuff that I'd be playing like while we're playing GTA. So it was really background music, not really something I was listening to intently. Mm-hmm. So I almost feel like my list isn't super accurate because a lot of stuff I was listening to wasn't really on Spotify. Some of it was in my own collection. Some of it was even on YouTube. So it didn't quite really paint a really true picture of what my year was like musically. If you don't mind my asking, what was sort of the biggest surprise for you in looking at your stats and shit? Um, actually, hold on one moment. I actually had saved the screenshot so I can tell you in a moment. So I'm actually surprised, well, for starters, that Quaid and Cambria didn't end up higher on my list. Mm -hmm. They even didn't end up in the top songs, considering It Walks Among Us. Like, I looped that for weeks. Like, and also the fact that I know I've been listening to a lot of, like, Fast and Furious stuff. Because, like I said, a lot of that would be on my Spotify while playing GTA. It just kind of puts me in a fun headspace. But the fact that Brian Tyler, like, as far as the composer of the movies, ended up my... Like, the fact that the score for Fate of the Furious, the eighth movie, ranked so high on my list was weird. Because I didn't think I listened to it that much. <laughs> Not compared to the actual... Which is weird, because Brian Tyler, the composer of the score... Is the top artist, but all the top tracks are from just the regular licensed soundtrack. And to me, that doesn't make any sense at all. And I know I listened to way more stuff. Yeah, so I have no idea what happened. Huh. I'm just more surprised because I felt like it just did a copy and paste of what it thought I listened to a lot. But I didn't think I listened to it that much, all things considered. But maybe I did. Maybe I'm just lying to myself and don't want to admit that I've listened to those soundtracks way too many times in my life. <laughs> might have a problem, actually. I mean, it's only a problem if you think it's a problem. What about you? Apparently, according to Spotify, Kanye West is my second most played artist from last year. That can't possibly be right. And that was sort of my thought. I'm like, that that seems odd. But in thinking about it, I, I think I know what happened. And I think I broke Spotify by doing that thing that I do with my brain um, <laughs> where I try to think of, I think I argued with you about this. I don't remember if it was you or if it was somebody else. I tried to think of an album that was perfectly structured. Oh yeah. We were talking about that. Yeah. So it was you then. And one of the albums that I thought of was my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. And I think I listened to that album a lot in a pretty short period of time to figure that out. And then uh, I I think I had like come up with a couple of like follow-up hypotheses that involved listening to it more. And I think I broke it. I think I broke my Spotify statistics just by being me. Right. And I think <laughs> the rap <laughs> the rap I don't really feel is now I used to just do it every year because it was just fun. Yeah. But this is the first year I really paid attention, and then because it's the decade, it actually went through the rest of the um, the rest of the years. Uh-huh. So up until a point, like, but basically up until like for the first four years I've had, I think since 2015, "Mothers of Men" by Quentin Cambria was like the top song. Mm-hmm. 
And they were the top artists. Okay, so that makes sense. I've listened to a shit ton of Queen Cambria. On. Right. My second artist of the decade, I think, was Foo Fighters, which is also another one of my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. But I noticed the individual years, especially in the last few, when I'm looking at the top artists, like, matter of fact, let me pull up this list again. Because two years ago, one of my top albums was this Young Jeezy mixtape. <laughs> okay. And I know what happened. There were two uh, Jeezy tracks that I was just into like they were looped into my head uh-huh. one of them was i do this but then the one that ended up being my top song in 2016 was geeked up which was a song if you've never heard it it's it's a lot you could tell jeezy and fabo and everybody else that was on this track were high as hell <laughs> in the studio just freestyling because there's no way that any normal sane person who's not under the influence is going to basically just sing help me over and over again on a hook yikes <laughs> but it's, it's it's a hilarious song. It's stupid. And I remember when it came out, it was it kind of went viral because it was like this geeked up challenge where people would like do these freestyles over like the beat to it. And I just remember my cousins and I used to play that while riding around just being stupid and like coming up with our own version of the, the track. And weirdest memory was listening to Looping Geeked Up while playing Minecraft. <laughs> For whatever reason, while listening right. to this GZ mixtape, and I was like, you know, let me try some Robin Wood in Minecraft while the kids are in school. And I got so caught up in the game, I forgot to really change the, the music. So 2016 ended up being the year of Young Jeezy and Quentin Cambria. Because I looped the song over and over again. And I think some of these song choices for top tracks were because I video game a lot. And sometimes I just fall asleep listening to stuff. Yes. The one thing that's sort of like, Makes me think that there is some method to this madness. Is like, all right, so top artist 2016, Tegan and Sarah. <laughs> top artist 2017, Tegan and Sarah. <laughs> top artist 2018, Tegan and Sarah. Top artist 2019, Tegan and Sarah. Yeah, that fucking checks out because Tegan and Sarah is one of those bands that I put on. I put on when I'm driving. I put on when I'm doing work. I put it on when I'm gaming. Like it's it's perfect music if I want to actually tune in and listen to it. It's also perfect music to just kind of have on in the background. Right. So I do think there's something to it, and I'm sure that that the stats are accurate. Um, I just don't know that the way that they present them to you is the most telling way. Right. Um, because like there's just too many ways for it to be manipulated, I feel. Yeah. And like I've got on my my top songs list for this year, like I've got Gloria by Laura Branigan on there. Makes sense. Which makes sense because of the whole like blues thing. But I don't I haven't listened to that song in a few months. <laughs> like all of that shit was very obviously played during that playoff run and after they win the Stanley Cup. I I wasn't bumping that shit last winter. <laughs> That's why I feel like there's just, I don't know this is, something feels weird. Because in 2017, like, okay, for the last, from 2017 to 2019, my top song was Horses by P&B Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, again, on the Fate of the Fury soundtrack. Honestly, might be one of my favorite songs of all time. But, again, top artist is Hannibal Burris. But I also know that there's a lot of times where I've just left my Spotify on and been in other rooms. I, I listened to it a lot, but also I know I listened to a lot in 2016, but then in 2018, the top artist is Migos, which I listened to them a lot more in 2017 when the first Culture album came. Right. And more specifically, summer of 2017, which is around the time when we started the crew, or at least on GTA. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't. I really would like the, uh, an actual breakdown of like each minute of minute because some of this doesn't feel right. Like, I mean, some of it's accurate, but not super accurate. Spotify, give me numbers. Yeah, because to just say this is your top track, I'm like, you know what? Give me actual listening time. Give me true analytics, you cowards. <laughs> uh, my my mom asked me earlier today what I wanted for Christmas, so I sent her a short list, and one of I gave her a couple of book ideas, and one of them is just like hockey stat. Like how to like go about um, computing your own hockey stats and shit, and I really she gets that for me. But also, I realized that I'm a fucking dork who wants to do math for fun. Yeah, I'm sorry. Imagine <laughs> what are you like? You're on Santa's lap. Like, what would you like for Christmas, little girls? Like, give me some analytics, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> please, please let me do math. I'm serving with the digits. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I, if this list is accurate, Spotify, it's like, this is embarrassing. I mean, okay, so I'm pretty sure we can figure out who my artist of the decade was, but who ended up being your artist of the decade? Was it Coheed? Absolutely. Okay, that checks out. <laughs> She's like, all right, done and done. <laughs> no, I mean. So was it, is it not Tegan and Sarah though? It, for me, it was. Okay. That's all. Like, I was, I would be more shocked if it wasn't because I know like a couple of years we were like, hey, our top artists go, um, Tegan and Sarah. Yeah. I need to, um, I don't know. I was going to put it on this and make a big joke out of it, but, um, I just put that in the podcast. So yeah. <laughs> I'll cut that out. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Are we so, done yeah. here? Yeah. 2019. It's been, um, not great. Musically, it's been a blast. And I can't hate on the year too much because, I mean, this is also year that we started this show that's right um i think technically the show is a year old or pretty close to it that's right because we te- we didn't really start recording until like the what the spring summer yeah but we recorded the pilot that's right that unaired pilot that i don't think we're ever gonna post <laughs> I think I might have, like, that's one of those where we both may have to be, like, possibly dead for 30 years and someone will unearth it and be like, hey, I found this podcast recording from 30 years ago. Was was it any good? I feel like it can't possibly be that bad. I don't remember it. I just remember 45 minutes of conversation about how weird Christmas music is. And it most certainly is. Uh, Christmas is a weird time, folks. Yeah. I don't like it. Also, what the fuck is Figgy Pudding? I don't even think I... Can we say that like on a podcast? Is that allowed? What? I don't know. What is figgy pudding? That's not a real thing. It is. it's it is. It's a real pudding, I'm sure. All right. We'll figure out what that is. But yeah, <laughs> it, it'll be a year since we did this. And even though it hasn't been a year to you guys, um, happy soon-to-be anniversary. Da-da-da-da. Of me almost getting into several car accidents because I basically was like, hey, we should do a podcast. And this entire conversation um, while trying to edit another podcast and being super late getting home. You shouldn't be editing while driving. No, well, I edited, then I had to go home, but I had to go food shopping. But I sat mostly in a CVS parking lot during that conversation that basically led to the start of this podcast. While listening to While Blasting North Shore on Loop. I mean, that's the perfect soundtrack for it. So, from all of us to all of you <laughs> here at Talking Like a Team, you should find us online at Twitter at TLAT Podcast. Same handle as our Instagram, where Ashley posts some awesome stuff, including Tuesday Tunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and one more that I can never remember. <laughs> we have an email address. 
Oh, that's right. Um, so if any of you still use email and <laughs> want to send us questions, suggestions, um, hopefully nothing super problematic, please and thank you. Do not send me pictures of your dick. Wow. But yeah, don't <laughs> definitely don't do that. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you say stuff and you don't like. You can see the words leaving your mouth. And you're like, that was not the right thing to say. No, that's actually the very right thing to say. Don't do that, please. Okay. But podcast related fun stuff, questions, comments. Um, maybe we might even read some of them on the air if we ever get enough of them. <laughs> but the handle is tlatpodcast at gmail dot com. That's right. It is. So reach out to us and let us know what you're. Oh my god. And please, for the love of God, don't send us any pictures of your appendages. I mean, if you want to send me a picture of your arm or something, I'm sure that won't be weird. No, because but... you know what it is? People are going to be sending <laughs> armpits, knowing exactly what it's supposed to mean. It's still going to be problematic because, you know, I don't need to see any part of your body without any sort of oh my God. pre-existing consent. Because there's going to be a bunch of dudes that are going to be like, look at my arm, knowing full look. well, but they want to send you. No, no arms, please. <laughs> The only reason oh why your God. arms need to be used is because they're attached to your hand. You need the hand to check out all the stuff that we mentioned. <laughs> uh, as usual, we've gone someplace. The show has gone off the rails. And now we're just going to leave you in giggling stupor. Happy New Year and Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> We wouldn't be us if we at least didn't debase ourselves once per podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh my God. For more great podcasts, visit adrianhasissues.com.